0: tom herman is out steve sarkisian is in and the longhorns will look to find new beginnings with a new head coach down there in austin welcome in here to the 10 of 12 podcast i am your host ryan gilbert today here on the show It's all about Texas. We'll be talking Texas football. be talking about the firing of Tom Herman as well as the hiring of coach Steve Sarkeesian. Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7 will be joining us to talk about this. We've got a lot to get into. What went wrong for Tom Herman? What you can expect from uh, Steve Sarkeesian as well as a little basketball uh, discussion at the very end of this podcast. It's been crazy. It's been a roller coaster of emotions. It feels like For Tom Herman over the last four seasons down there in Austin, of course, never lost a bowl game, never had a losing season in the Big 12 Conference. But ultimately, it just simply wasn't enough to get the job done uh, down there in Austin. We'll bring in Taylor here from Horns 24-7. First of all, Taylor, thank you so much for taking time with us. How are you doing today?
1: I'm doing well. How are you?
0: I'm doing good. Thank you so much uh, for taking time with us. Um, We'll start off here with Texas football. Um, before we get into Tom Herman, Coach Steve Sarcasian, all that stuff, let's talk about the football team just as a whole here um, on the season. What are your initial takeaways um, before the bowl game, the regular season, how they performed?
1: You know, I think that um, this was one of the first years where I kind of understood why Texas fans were so disappointed and were moaning and groaning a little bit about how the team was performing. You know, there's no denying that the Texas fan base can be a very prideful fan base. And, you know, losing is unacceptable in uh, many fans' minds. You know, it's almost as if every year they're supposed to be playing for a title and that may not always be (laughs) realistic, but you know, this season was the year that has been continued to be pointed to from Tom Herman and people at Texas as being the, the season where Texas would be competing for championships and um, heading into 2020, you know, the Longhorns were had one of the more experienced rosters um, returning to the team in the big 12, one of the more talented rosters, probably um, in the big 12. And, you know, this appeared to kind of be a down year in the conference with Oklahoma, you know, being, I I know, you know, in hindsight, obviously they won the big 12 title, but, you know, they seemed entered the year kind of down. So this was the year Tom Herman kept pointing to as the one that Texas was going to really turn that corner. And, you know, the losses to TCU and Oklahoma early in the year, really, uh, made people question Tom Herman, you know, as a coach and everything. And for the first time, I really did um, really felt that Texas fans had a right to feel that way this year. And I've never been one that says that I've always (laughs) been, you know, the type of person that thinks like you, if you think that they're going to win every single year, the national championship, like that's not feasible. You know what I mean? So yeah, uh, this was though, the time that You know, I think Texas really had such a disappointing season, and that sounds weird. And you know, when you hear a record of seven and three, but still, when this has been for four years straight talked about as when Texas would compete, I think that there's reason reason why Texas fans were really disappointed.
0: So, I guess you kind of already answered this question for me. But when I saw this team here in Manhattan against Kansas State, and then also you know on TV against Colorado in the bowl game, they looked pretty good. Um, The guys that were there appeared to be bought in. Um, and, you know, kind of were are in support of Tom Herman as their coach. They're playing for their coach, you know. Um, so I guess, you know, does the first half of the season where they lose those games to TCU in Oklahoma, is that outweigh the final two games? And really, is that what kind of went into this decision to fire him?
1: You know, there was a lot of things that went into the decision. Um, and this sounds weird, but actually a lot of it had to do with things that were off the field. Um, You know, the, the search for Urban Meyer following the Oklahoma game, that really kicked into gear Um, after the photo of Sam Ellinger was shown in the cotton bowl doing the eyes of Texas alone and the optics surrounding that a lot of big money donors at Texas were very disappointed in. They were, some were very outraged about it thinking that it was a horrible public display of what the university is, especially after a four overtime loss, you know? Um, And so that was really when Tom Herman's job came into a significant question and it wasn't about the loss. It really was about kind of how he was, you know, Tom Herman, the leader more so than Tom Herman, the football coach. Um, And, you know, once Urban Meyer, when he, uh, when he, you know, turned down the Texas job, a lot of people thought that Tom Herman would come back. I think Chris uh, Del Conte, the Texas athletic director, you know, he put out a statement that was kind of in support of Tom Herman And I think that a lot of people believe that he would be the coach. But again, I mean, it really had to do with a lot of off the field things that led to his demise. But the reality is, had those losses not happened, we wouldn't be having these conversations. You know, if you win, winning cures all. And uh, so that, you know, both definitely played a role into it. But, you know, at the end of the season, um, a source told Horns 24-7 following the Alamo Bowl game, uh, my coworker Chip Brown asked, this is a, a Texas official, high-ranking Texas, you know, a booster person who he asked, you know, has a, the Alamo Bowl win um, impacted Tom Herman's fate? And the response was, who did we play again? And so that right there just <laughs> kind of showed that that game really had no, no bearing on uh, Tom Herman's fate at that point.
0: Interesting stuff. So Urban Meyer, that was a real thing for a while, just to confirm, because I didn't follow this as closely as you did. What was the whole deal with that? Um, when did it officially kind of go away, so to speak?
1: So, yeah, it, it definitely was a thing. You know, there was interest expressed and Urban, you know, there. He, there's a lot of reasons why he has been kind of uh, weighing his options on if he wants to return to college coaching. Um, And, you know, Texas would be a spot that he probably would consider from everything that we were hearing. It was Texas, um, USC and Notre Dame would be the schools that he would consider, you know, at least listening to what they had to say if he wanted to return to a college coaching gig. Um, So there were uh, plenty of conversations. But at the end of the day, uh, Urban officially turned Texas down at the beginning. I believe it was around the first of December, or so around that time that um horns 24-7 was the one that reported that he officially said no so there was actually a lot of interest there um and you know it just was ended up being i think that uh with urban meyer he just doesn't really want to deal with the transfer portal was a, a, one thing that we heard a lot about and then he has you know some health issues that is a concern for his family so um you know the stress that Being a, you know, college coach, especially at a place like Texas with health issues and then also having to worry about the, you know, transfer portal was just something that made him decide not to take the job.
0: If this wasn't Texas and it was just another power five school where the standard maybe isn't as high as it is down there in Austin, do you think Tom Herman still gets fired?
1: You know, that's a good question because I think that, you know, it's kind of difficult to compare, you know it's kind of like comparing apples and oranges because there are certain things in, you know, the state of Texas that people are very pr- like proud of. And that's the eyes of Texas their, you know, their school song. And when Tom Herman just kind of had like an um, very open um, disrespect to uh, his boss, essentially, and, and not, you know, telling the players to stay on the field, Um, just for the eyes of Texas. They didn't have to sing it. They didn't have to put their horns up or anything. They just needed to at least show a United front. He couldn't get the team to do that. And so I'm not really sure if there's a comparable thing from another school, if there's something like that, that would be, you know, so important to um, a fan base that would really weigh it. But if there is, then, you know, I still think that Tom Herman, um, the off the field, you know, their concern over him as the leader of the football program, more so than the coach of the football program, I think it, um, you know there could be other places where he would not have survived this year.
0: I remember a few years back I was in Stillwater and I saw that game where Herman and Gundy kind of at the end of it were shouting some choice words. I don't know if you remember that one, but that, yeah, was, yeah. Was, that was that kind of just a nutshell of what happened. I mean, I heard – I think I saw you on Twitter saying something about, um, you know, the parents of the players were a little upset, some of the locker room issues – Was it called, you know, not just this one incident with the eyes of Texas, but overall, was this kind of just the icing on the cake?
1: Yeah, it really was. You know, he, um, the thing that's really interesting, and I've I've told this, you know, a lot since he was fired— You know, Tom Herman at one point was the guy that the big money donors really, really wanted. Um, When Charlie Strong was the head coach in 2016, you know, there was very substantial reporting that made it seem like Tom Herman may be hired by LSU before LSU hired Ed Orgeron. And that's when Texas swooped in at the last minute and hired Tom Herman to replace Charlie Strong. So he had a lot of support from, you know, the administration at Texas. Um, but he kind of, once he got there, kind of shoved his nose a little bit at them and didn't really try to not necessarily even like cozy up to, you know, Texas officials or big money supporters or anything, but just even acknowledge them. And at a school like Texas, you know, um, I think that a lot of the big money at Texas probably is a little bit spoiled because they had Mac Brown for so many years and Mac was so, you know, made it such a priority to. Um, had those big money relationships. And so he, you know, would even have cell phones for a certain level of donors that they could contact Mac, like, you know, individually. And so that's what a lot of the big money at Texas is used to. And to have a coach come in and not even try, you know, that was a strike number one. And then there's, you know, things that are embarrassing that happened when, whether it was in 2017, you know, uh, the um texas bowl when he was mocking missouri's quarterback for this you know Mm -hmm. kind of like touchdown secure the bag dance and you know that's that's a bad look on texas there you know and there's um there was a lot of uh player former players and sources close to texas that told us that tom like wouldn't acknowledge players when he would see them in the football facilities and things like that and then Hmm. As you mentioned, the Mike Gundy thing, that was another deal. And then in uh, last year, 2019, the early signing period, he gets seen on camera flipping off LHN cameras (laughs) on signing day. And I mean, it's just like there's been one thing after another. So, you know, it definitely was not just this year. I think this year was, as you mentioned, kind of just the icing on the cake.
0: As you look back and reflect on, I guess, his time at Texas, I'm putting you on the spot a little bit here. What would you give him as far as just a letter grade goes when it's all said and done? I mean, he won four bowl games, never had a losing season. um, But like you said, all those antics and issues, um, what would you give him as far as the grade goes?
1: You know, I would say Tom Herman, the football coach, I would probably give like a C plus, you know, and um, I'm I, you know, I'm a little bit more realistic, I think, when it comes to what the University of Texas football program is, you know, the Mac Brown days were the glory years, you know, but there hasn't been a ton of success, you know, consistently in the program, there's just been large gaps of championships and stuff. So um, I think that the expectations are really, really high for anybody who takes over the job. And I don't think that he failed as the football coach, I would say maybe like a C plus B minus. But I would say as Tom Herman, the leader, I would have to give him an F. I mean, honestly, this is it's a very unique situation. Um, I have not heard a lot of the things Um, that I heard during his tenure at Texas from, you know, the player standpoint, the, you know, you're not ever always going to be everybody's like best friend or anything like that, but like to not acknowledge your own players, when you walk past them in the facility and they say hi to you and you just walk by like, no, they don't even exist. I mean, that right there is not necessarily somebody who is a successful leader of young men. And so for (laughs) that, you know, those type of things, I think it's hard to give him a passing grade at all.
0: Let's switch gears now to coach Sark. um what are your just kind of first initial thoughts and reactions to that hire?
1: you know uh it, it I think that it was very surprising, you know to be honest, uh, <laughs> it happened really fast too. I mean, this was this i think as as um as quick as it seemed from public like, you know the public standpoint of how quick that seemed to go down. it actually was that that quick and so uh you know, I think that. I think that there's, you know, a lot of reason to be excited for him. If you're a Texas fan, I think, you know, he's he's done really well um, as offensive coordinator at Alabama. I mean, um, I know a lot of people, you know, kind of point to his uh, previous issues with, you know, going to rehab and stuff that happened at USC that led to his firing there. But, you know, the way I look at it is Nick Saban is is going to be one of the best college football coaches in the history of the sport. And I don't see Nick Saban keeping somebody on staff and, you know, giving him a position to call his offense or, you know, even step in as the interim head coach when uh, Nick was out, you know, I don't see him doing that to somebody who has, you know, continued issues. And so I think that I think he deserves, you know, I I believe in second chances for people. And I think that um, there's no reason not to give him the benefit of the doubt from that standpoint, Um, And, you know, he was kind of an up and coming coach when uh, prior to he got, you know, his firing at USC, you know, people point to his like record, you know, at Washington, but you have to remember, he took over a Washington football program that was 0 and 11 when he took over. And I believe that they were like nine and like 25, excuse me, 25 or something in the three years prior to him taking over the program. So while like the win loss record, you know, the percentage may not look great. I mean, he really rebuilt that Washington football program before he took the USC job. So I think you kind of have to give him the benefit of the doubt. And I think that Texas fans need to be really patient, honestly, though. And that's something that's not, you know, a common word um, in a lot of Texas fans, uh, you know, vocabulary. But I think they have to be, you know, you can't just turn into the school that keeps firing head coaches and um, he he was given a six-year deal as uh, we reported at horns 24-7 last week and I think that you got to just give him the time to really write it out so um, I think that there's reason to be optimistic however I think any type you know anytime you're taking a coach who hasn't been a head coach for several years you're taking a risk maybe just have some cops I think it's cautiously optimistic would be the right way that I would uh, explain it right now with Steve Sarkeesian.
0: You know, if you're a school like Texas, you almost have first dibs um, to any coach in the entire country when you're going through a hiring process. Do you think that that this was the best option for the Longhorns?
1: Um, it's that's a good question. I mean. You know, I think that I think that, of course, there's definitely other people that would be considered a quote unquote better option, but it's more so the coaches that are available. I mean, let's be honest, is is Texas going to hire Dabo Swinney away from Clemson? No. Are they going to hire Nick Mm -hmm. Saban from Alabama? No. I mean, uh, there's a lot of, there's just, you know, those type of coaches. Sure. You could probably sit there and say that they are much better, you know, of a quality of a candidate to take over a job like Texas. But um, from, you know, what was available, I think that I think that this is a good hire for what was available. I was a little surprised, to be honest, that the Texas officials were willing to buy out um, Tom Herman and his staff's contracts, though, to hire, um, you know, a coach that wasn't in a current sitting head coaching role. Um, You know, like if it was just a normal year, that would be chump change, you know, at the school like Texas, but $25 million buyouts during, you know, a global pandemic were, The athletic department's already taken a huge hit and publicly doesn't look great because they had to lay off a lot of people in the summer because of COVID. So, you know, I think that that was a little bit more surprising than anything that they felt that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian was worth that buyout. But I think that more so just shows how much faith was lost in Tom Herman more so than anything else.
0: If you had to put an over/under on on how many years Sark will last at Texas, what would you put that at? In my <laughs> eyes, it's almost like it's like in the three or four year range, and he's gone, or he's going to be there for double digit years, and he's very successful. I feel like there's there's not much of a middle ground there. Would you agree with that?
1: I agree. Yeah, I think that's a, that's probably safe. I don't know if that's the right approach, you know, but <laughs> yeah. um, just with the way that um, Texas has kind of handled the turnover. Especially um, at the you know the head coaching position in the football you know program and stuff, I think that it's it's hard to give them the benefit of the doubt to think that they're going to let Sarkeesian really you know kind of have what Shaka Smart has had, where he got to play out his entire contract you know and then see kind of what the future holds from him. For there, I think that's probably pretty rare. So yeah, I think probably. 3-4 would be the the right one. And I agree, like, you know, if he makes it past that, it may be more of a coach of the future type of situation.
0: Is he going to be starting from scratch, essentially? Or is there going to be a good, you know, residue of toughness back next season for the Longhorns?
1: And You know, there is a lot of uh, young talent at Texas. There's definitely going to be positions That will be a little bit of a question mark. I mean, quarterback is, you know, number one with Sam Ellinger uh, going to the NFL. You know, um, Casey Thompson took over for Sam Ellinger, his backup in the Alamo Bowl when Ellinger left with a shoulder injury. And Casey played really well to his credit, you know, and he came off the bench. He really hasn't had much quality um, playing time. So while I think that it's a, you know, I think it was a positive sign and should give Texas fans a little bit more hope and not so much of worry for the future since they've seen Casey, you know, really take control of a game. Um, However, that was, you know, I mean, we're not, I'm not trying to be mean to Colorado, but it's not like that's a team that was setting the world on fire either. You know? So I mean, you have to be realistic um, when it comes to those deals, but you know, I think that that still should be a concern. Um, Just, you know, if, if he continues to play the way he did in Alamo Bowl, then yeah, I mean, they have a solid option at quarterback in the future. But, you know, one game doesn't define a player. So I think that that's a big question for um, for Steve Sarkeesian. But, you know, he's an offensive minded coach. He's, he, uh, he, if the one thing you can't really question is how well he is able to really Formulate an offense, and he's supposed to be the play caller at Texas too. So I think you give him the benefit of the doubt there. Um, they'll lose uh, Joseph Osai, who was a uh, you know one of the top defensive end slash linebacker. He played the jack position in Chris Ash's defense. They're going to have to replace him, and that's a huge loss. Um, but that was you know kind of known. That's uh, nobody really expected Osai to come back for next year. Um, you know, and then uh, we we're, we're reporting that Texas should. Returns some of the offensive linemen. So I think that's a good, you know, starting point at least. Uh, But the offensive line at Texas was kind of up and down this year. So I think it's going to take a lot of coaching there. Um, But, you know, I think overall there, there's, there's enough talent, excuse me, on the roster. It's more a matter of how it's going to fit and how they kind of put it all together um, but I think that you know this is not him taking over an 0 and 11 type of Washington program or anything like that. I mean, I would say that the amount of talent that they have that he will have this year is probably comparable to what Tom Herman inherited in 2017.
0: This just popped into my head, um, real quick. Quinn Ewers, he had decommitted from from Texas, and one of the highly, you know, I think he was a, was he the highest rated um, prospect in his class? I mean.
1: Yeah, what happened with that? Overall, did he pretty
0: yeah. much know that Herman wasn't going to be back, or how did that all go down?
1: You know, uh, from what we had heard, honestly, it's it kind of sounds crazy again, but from what we had heard was, um, you know, Quinn Ewers grew up a big Texas fan. He He grew up in the state. You know, he rooted for Texas. He always wanted to play there. It was a dream school. And then when he saw the situation of Sam Ellinger being on the field alone, doing the eyes of Texas, and just how – poorly that reflected on the school. I think that really made him second guess if that's the place where he wanted to be, um, you know, just because of how how bad that looked, you know, for the starting quarterback, especially after that game. So that really was that played a huge role in mm-hmm. uh in him decommitting from Texas and then ultimately um, you know, committing to Ohio State. But I think that's something that, you know, Steve Sarkeesian should probably put it as priority number one, you know, even though he is committed to Ohio State. I mean, this kid literally grew up uh, the biggest Texas fan. This he literally has had Texas as a dream school for him ever since he was a little kid. So I think that there might be a way, if there is a way, for Steve Sarkisian to kind of get back in the door with Quinn Ewers. I think that should be a huge priority for them.
0: It feels like everyone's leaving and going into the transfer portal. So if you're a Texas yeah. fan, you're just <laughs> you hoping never that that'll happen be with him. Right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, going up the previous question though, do would you rather you know Sark recruit? Talent, or the guys that he really thinks is the best, you know, fit for his program. Obviously, like I said, with the coaching search, you've almost got first dibs at Texas. Would you rather them get those five-star prospects, or simply, you know, who he thinks is the best fit for his team?
1: I mean, I think that it's always going to be an important thing to try to get the best uh, talent in the state of Texas if you're the head football coach at the University of Texas, Mm -hmm. and that hasn't always been the case. You know, you're seeing those guys go and play for Ohio State and Alabama, you know, or Clemson or whatever it may be. um, I think that you should always make that a priority because that's going to be something that high school football coaches in the state of Texas are going to be endearing to more so than if, you know, they're not even trying to get in with even their big guys, you know, so I think there's kind of you have to weigh it a little bit. But at the end of the day, it's about what works, you know, and um, I know that uh, a lot of Texas fans would disagree with me, you know, that you don't always need all of the five stars if it doesn't, you know, it's not a position for them. Cause as you know, we've talked about the transfer portal, you know, that's a big deal. Players can leave at any time. And, you know, with, uh, the new transfer rule, the one-time transfer rule, I mean, that's, you have to make sure that you get guys that are going to play and stay, you know, a little bit. And so I think that you have to kind of weigh it a little bit, but I think, you definitely want to try to at least get the best talent in the state of Texas to listen to the University of Texas. Um, that'll help for the long-time future. But overall, you know, it's about what works.
0: Wrapping things up with football before we switch gears to basketball for just a sec. Um, do do we need to schedule a Zoom for four years from now to be talking about <laughs> the firing of Coach Sark?
1: Gosh, you know what? I, I hope <laughs> not for his sake. You know, I think that um, – yeah you know it's it's such a crazy business a college you know head coaching business is just so nuts nowadays that um i understand why there's a lot of people who would want you know early change if these coaches are making you know six million dollars a year or whatever it may be but like at some point it's you know you don't want to be the you know the a coaching turnover school either you know where people go and you know their careers go to die because that's not going to help in the future but it's hard not to wonder you know if if he doesn't win early if we wouldn't be having this conversation in four years but I'd say for hopefully for all of our sanity's sake that cover this program and for Steve Sarkeesian that we will not be having that conversation.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Gotcha, gotcha. Last thing for you um, with regards to the basketball program they're playing some really good basketball down there in Austin. I watch them a lot on TV. They're really impressive to me. Um, what are your just kind of overall thoughts from that team?
1: I mean, it's, they, they're off to a really solid start. And, um, I think that the thing that I, I like the most in this year that I haven't seen in years, you know, recent years at Texas is this is a team that seems to be playing more for each other and more together. Um, you know, than in years past, you know, before they used to have kind of just like one undone guys under Shotgun. And yeah. it just never seemed like a really true team cohesiveness um, since he arrived at Texas. But I think that that looks a little bit different this year. I mean, um, I believe it was against, was it Iowa state? There was one game recently where um, when Texas won and, you know, their number one uh guy, Greg Brown, you know, the, probably the one and done for Texas, he only had, I think it was like eight points. I can't remember if it was Iowa state, Kansas or West Virginia is one of those ones, but you know, he, he didn't really play very well, but Texas still was able to win. And I think that's, um, you know, a good sign if like your best player doesn't, you know, perform up to par, you still win games against top opponents. I mean, that's a good sign of a, a well kind of, um, coached team. And I think that's what you're seeing in Texas right now.
0: I'll be honest here, I'm not, I've am not. i never been a big fan of Shaka Smart, but I think it's really hard to deny, to, to deny pardon me, what he's doing this season. Um, certainly wish him the best. Um, Taylor, I appreciate you taking time with me. Um, where can anyone follow you on Twitter? And check out the stuff you guys do over on Horns
1: 24-7. Oh, yeah, you can follow me on Twitter at taylorestis247, and then you can go over to horns247.com for all of the latest with uh, Steve Sarkeesian and his new staff and everything going on at Texas.
0: There you have it. Taylor Estes from Horns 24-7. If you are subscribed to gopowercat.com, you've got the access to everything they do over at Horns 24-7. Taylor and her crew do a great job. Other than that, though, I am Ryan Gilbert. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we'll catch you next time.
2: Okay, picture this.